Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watts podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show recapping the weekend of June 18th through the 20th, 2021. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Hope everyone is doing well. For any fathers out there, happy belated Father's Day, and also happy Cinema Week, uh, as proclaimed by the National Association of Theater Owners, uh, marking the start, in their eyes, of the summer 2021 blockbuster season. Apparently, AMC is offering you all you can eat popcorn this week, so uh, yeah, you should check that out. Um, I don't really have a good transition otherwise to the other headlines I want to cover, plus it's going to be a short episode, not a lot of news, so let's just hop into the numbers, shall we? Uh, in first place of the domestic box office, we have newcomer The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard from Lionsgate. Uh, over the three-day, Friday through Saturday through Sunday weekend, uh, it grossed $11.4 million or so in 3,331 theaters for a per-theater average of $3,422. However, it did also open two days earlier on Wednesday, so they actually now are currently at $16.7 million domestically. Um, that's about what expectations were going into the weekend, which were about $15 million for the five-day weekend. Um, this is obviously a sequel to a film which opened to $21 million over a three-day weekend in August 2017, and it's definitely not going to make as much as that. Um, the first film went on to make $75 million domestically and $107 million abroad on a budget of, I believe, about $70 million. Um, reportedly, the sequel also cost $70 million to make. Um, if you do a similar 3x or so multiplier f- uh, for this week year's, uh, this film's opening weekend, domestic gross looks like it'll top out at the $30 to $45 million range, which isn't a really great outlook for this film, to be honest. Uh, part of what I think is working against it is that it's releasing in the middle of summer with Fast and Furious 9 set to come out next week, so its legs are going to get cut off pretty quickly. Uh, meanwhile, back in 2017, because... It came out in August uh, in the doldrums of summer where not a lot of new films are coming out. It actually had a chance to get some legs for at least three weeks before It came out on Labor Day weekend. Uh, the only release the same weekend was the criminally underwatched Logan Lucky. Though, I will say, uh, I do have memories of the Hitman's, the Hitman's Bodyguard being the first film I watched uh, on MoviePass uh, back when that was a thing. Uh, the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard has made a little bit less than $7 million in 21 territories worldwide. So we're looking at about $23 million to date. Uh, in second place, we have A Quiet Place 2 from Paramount in its fourth weekend. Uh, it made $9 million in the 3,515 theaters, four per theater average of uh, $2,585, and a 24% week-over-week drop. Uh, this one is holding really well for a horror film, and so far has made $124 million to date domestically. I added another $96 million abroad, and we're now at $222 million lifetime uh, total over 45 markets worldwide, uh, including debuting in Korea this weekend at number one with $3.4 million. Uh, in third place, we have Sony's Peter Rabbit 2, The Runaway, coming in at $6 million in 3,346 theaters. Uh, it's a 40% drop to a per theater average of $1,818, which is a bit steep compared to what you'd expect for family-friendly films. Uh, so far, domestically, total has been about $20.3 million, with another $70 million of them abroad, bringing us to about a $90 million lifetime total. In fourth place, we have Warner's horror film *The Conjuring* th- uh, three, uh, dropping fifty-two percent to five million uh, in three thousand two hundred eighty theaters for a per theater average of one thousand five hundred twenty-seven dollars. So far, it's made fifty-three million dollars to make domestically, with a ninety-nine million total so far abroad for a lifetime total of one hundred forty-two million dollars. 
And then rounding out the top five, we have Disney's Cruella making $4.8 million in 3,110 theaters for per theater average of $1,552. Pretty decent, a uh, 28% drop in their fourth weekend. Uh, so far, it's made $64 million domestically with $95 million abroad for a lifetime total of $159 million. Uh, it's going to be opening in France this coming weekend, which, you know, France loving its fashion should do pretty well there, especially since Disney Plus, uh, even if it's available in France, uh, due to restrictions on the theatrical window, um, France is not allowing uh, it's going to come out only on, on, in theaters and not on Disney Plus there now, one thing you'll notice in this top five is that last week's number newcomer film, In the Heights, not making the top five this week after debuting at last week's number two. One of the things I talked about was to see, you know, if it would be able to recover from its uh, slow start would be if it had great legs, which means that it would have had a fairly uh, a, a shallow drop. Unfortunately for Warner Brothers, that doesn't look to be the case. In week two, In the Heights made $4.2 million in 3,509 theaters for a period of the average of $1,197. It is a dramatic 63 percent drop in its second weekend. Uh, HBO Max films have had pretty steep drops in general, but this is pretty on the on the worst end of things. Uh, Angelina, Angelina Jolie's film uh, Those Who Wish Me Dead had a 32 percent drop. Uh, Tom and Jerry dropped 53 percent. Dudes and Black Messiah 56 percent. Horror film The Conjuring and Godzilla vs Kong both dropped 57 percent. Uh, the only uh, release from HBO Max that has had these steeper drops is the uh, very front loaded, um, you know, kind of niche fanboy film uh, Mortal Kombat with a 73% drop in week two. Now, the real question will be, given the In the Heights poor performance, is how many theaters is going to actually stay in next weekend? Um, generally, theaters are at least contracted to keep a film for at least two weekends, potentially more depending on the agreements um, made with the with the. Uh, studio, um, but there's a good chance, like for example, Angelina Jolie's film, the aforementioned uh, Those Who Wish Me Dead, lost 1,500 theaters in week three after that two week period was up. So, depending on what negotiations Warner made with the movies, with the movie exhibitors, um, it may actually have a sig- pretty significant drop. So, definitely make sure you catch this in theaters if you want to do so, as I don't think it'll be sticking around for much longer. Uh, Aaron Astley in the Heights has made $2 million so far, which definitely won't save it. Um, according to, adding to my theory of last week that this was even though it's a, a, a film about Latinos and Hispanics um, it didn't really cater to all Hispanics and Latinos only specifically the uh, Caribbean uh, the Caribbean uh, Latino community um, adding that theory is that uh, Mexico uh, where we debuted last weekend made only $94,000 uh, which is pretty low um now, I guess, you know, given the John M. Chu's other uh, culturally-specific film, Crazy Rich Asians, didn't do well when it went internationally, I think that should probably be expected as these very, um, like, you know, Latino-American, Asian-American films really do best in America and don't really translate internationally. Um, and in this, I believe, uh, musical films also just don't translate as well abroad, so... Uh, you know, other other news. Uh, speaking of the aforementioned Godzilla versus Kong, uh, uh, they are the second film uh, to hit a hundred million dollars domestically uh, since the pandemic started in its twelfth weekend at thirteenth place, making two hundred forty thousand dollars in just over five hundred theaters to cross that milestone. Uh, so far, it's four hundred forty-two million dollars lifetime across all countries, with Germany and Japan still set to debut. Uh, and it's definitely the biggest film uh, so far. Uh, out of Hollywood, uh, we'll see how Fast and Furious 9 does compared to that. Uh, also, in the specialty box office, and this was actually last weekend, but the news just came in after I put up my last episode, Bo Gia from uh, Vietnam hit $1 million in domestic gross, the first Vietnamese film to do so with the widest theater count of a Vietnamese film at 47 theaters across the U.S. Congratulations to the team there for that milestone. 
Uh, overall, the domestic box office for this past weekend was $45 million, breaking the streak of $50 million weekends. Of course, this is without the wide release of Luca, which came out directly on Disney+. Plus. Uh, reportedly, the future Pixar films are going to have a normal theatrical release, starting with uh, Turning Red. Um, the big upcoming release this coming weekend to keep an eye on is, of course, F9 from the Fast Saga. According to Box Office Pro, uh, the forecast that they have for that currently uh, is about 50 to $70 million for the three-day opening weekend, um, and with a domestic total of $110 to $155 million. Uh, so we'll see how that actually pans out. Um, so yeah, uh, in the meantime, let's take a look at some international numbers. Uh, F9 so far has made $292 million to date in 23 markets, including debuting in Australia this past weekend at number one with $6 million. Uh, this coming weekend, in addition to the domestic release, the UK, Brazil, and Mexico are set to uh, have the film released there as well. Um, it's also worth knowing that Luca, which came out on Disney Plus only, uh, released into $5 million in 11 markets where Disney Plus was not available, including topping the Russia release, uh, the Russian market uh, with $1.9 million. Uh, and you know some other small things from Japan, which I won't go into. Uh, I think Evangelion hit another benchmark and there's another Gundam film out. Um, we also got confirmation that Dune will have its world debut at the Venice International Film Festival later this fall. Uh, moving over to China specifically, um, in first place for their uh, top five, we have family sports film On Your Mark, making $8.68 million US dollars in its first weekend. Uh, in second place, we have Taiwanese romantic drama Man in Love, remaking a 2014 Korean drama, uh, which and this one made a $6.1 million. Um, it had a limited release last weekend, and so all told, it has made $15.9 million to date. Uh, in third place, Peter Rabbit 2 hopped along into $3.7 million this weekend in China for a domestic total of $17 million. Uh, in fourth place, the nationalist film ahead of the Communist Party uh, centennial anniversary on July 1st, uh, Island Keeper, made $4.7 million this weekend. Uh, and then rounding out the top five, Cruella made $2.7 million this weekend with a regional total of $16.9 million US dollars. So I think $20 million may probably be in play uh, for China from Cruella. Uh, outside of the top five, F9 made $1.6 million this weekend for a regional total of $214 million in its 31st day. Um, generally, films from the West generally can run for about a month in China. So that's pretty much it for uh, F9. It's not going to get to the 250 mark. It's going to hit $200 million in China. Um, it ends its run at $1.39 billion yuan, which actually is less than $1.43 billion yuan from the spin-off Hobbs and Saw film. Um, though, because of the... Uh, exchange rates um you know it's actually ahead of it in terms of u.s dollars um total tickets it was also down about 12 percent from hop versus saw and it's currently uh and in, in, in all total was less than half of what f8 sold um, so it's definitely a big underperformer for the franchise ahead of its u.s release uh, definitely giving vibes of what the transformers franchise ended up happening there when it lost its biggest audience films toward the latest film which by the way did you see uh, that there was a new uh transformer film apparently in the works based off of beast horse um but yeah uh, in any case other headlines uh, to go off over before we wrap up the show. Uh, after the performance of Peter Rabbit the last few weeks, uh, Sony has decided to push back its next animated feature film, Hotel Transylvania 4, to October 1st, uh, off of the July 23rd release date. That that's an interesting move, uh, considering it now competes against the similarly creepy-themed animated films, MGM's Adam's Family 2. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting game of chicken to see uh, who ends up blinking first. Um, also, it's worth noting that this is the same release date as Dune, I believe. Uh, so that's going to be a, a bit of a fight. Um, um, 
July 23rd is now open and basically one going with, between two, two films, Paramount Snake Eyes, which I've barely seen any marketing for, and M. Night Shyamalan's Old. Uh, we also got a trailer for the new Peter Jackson documentary, The Beatles Get Back, which has been uh, reworked into three two-hour episodes to be released on Disney Plus coming this Thanksgiving weekend instead of uh, having it come out in theaters instead, um, which I guess you know, having six hours worth of documentary uh, would not really be a great sell for theaters. So I guess you know definitely the Thanksgiving Disney Plus vibe is, is a great thing to do. Bobby with your family. Um, let's see. Meanwhile, another Disney, or specifically Searchlight documentary film, uh, Sundance-winning Summer of Soul from Questlove, uh, is coming to Hulu in a couple of weeks, uh, I believe July 2nd, uh, and it's coming to Hulu as well as directly to theaters. Uh, some announced and also deconfirmed films as well, in addition to the uh, the Transformers film I talked about a little bit a second ago. Uh, the Nobody sequel is confirmed. Uh, Lego Batman 2 has been deconfirmed. And apparently they're working on a Scoob sequel after last year's film, which didn't do super great, though. I guess that's in the pandemic. But even in the, the direct-to-VOD stuff didn't do super well, so... Um, and then over on the exhibition side, according to Cinemark's CFO, after Netflix debut of Army of the Dead in theaters, it looks like they've actually signed some more deals to have more theatrical runs of presumably streaming first films. Uh, no news, though, on what films those are quite yet, but we'll keep an eye out for those. Um, and then over on the COVID watch, with more states reopening, including my own of New York, uh, officially, uh, officially pulling back all of its uh, you know various regulations um, with a 70% vaccination rate, only 5 out of 50 states states remain with some form of capacity restrictions for movie theaters. Uh, Hawaii, Michigan, and Washington State have a 50% capacity limit. New Mexico has a 33% capacity, and Oregon at varying levels of capacity per county depending on the severity of COVID in the region. Um, so yeah, this is definitely looking up for exhibition. Uh, in line with that, according to advertising analytics firm iSpot, weekly TV spend uh, for, from the various studios trying to advertise their trailers um, is up to $15 million this past week. The second high Highest total of 2021 uh, behind the week of the Oscars in April will make sense. You know, the Oscars are coming out. You want to get people in the mood for watching films and then, you know, so much of TV trail, uh, movie trailers. Um, that said, while it's still growing, it's still worth noting. It's still down versus 2019's uh, spend in the same time period, about 50 to 90 percent, somewhere in the 50 to 90 percent range. I know it's a big range. That's the numbers that we got. Um, so definitely still a little bit more recovery to do before we're back to normal in the box office. And then things on a bit of a funnier stat. Uh, over on the streaming side, remember Quibi? Uh, I wouldn't blame you if you didn't, given how fast they were in and out of the marketplace. But if you do remember them, you probably remember that when they went bankrupt, Roku actually bought up the original IP that they had for pennies on the dollar, basically. Um, and it ended up streaming them on the Roku channel a couple of weeks ago. Well, apparently in the two weeks since then, it's had more views on Roku than it did for the entire lifetime of Quibi. So yeah, no further comment. Uh, with that, I think that's a wrap for this episode. Suit me ideas for what I should be covering via email at boxofficewatchpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at BOWatchPodcast. You can find our show on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review or at the very least, tell a friend any of that helps. If you're feeling extra generous, consider supporting us on Patreon, which lets me make not only this show but all the other podcasts I work on. A link to all of that will be in our show notes. Numbers used in this show come from thenumbers.com. Our intro and outro music come from Kevin Mackley. I find his stuff at the competent filmmusic.io and in productions provided by Ninja Boy Media until next time this is the Box Office Watch Podcast and remember our watch goes on Music